With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. After a two-week break, we are back in the studio, and we have so much critical news to get through. The war in Ukraine is proving to have knock-on effects on trade between Beijing and Moscow. Huawei has been accused of evading taxes in China, and could China be reconsidering its dynamic zero-COVID policy? With all the most important China business news, here is your weekly roundup. And let's kick off with some huge economic news. For the first time in over 30 years, China has set its lowest annual GDP growth goal. Speaking at the opening ceremony of the National People's Congress's annual session, Chinese Premier Li Keqiang said the country will target GDP growth of around 5.5% in 2022. The goal is noticeably lower than last year's above 6% target and 8.1% actual growth. Beijing made the policy decision for the coming year as its economy faces a number of headwinds. Those include a property slump, weak consumer spending, the looming threat of COVID outbreaks, and, of course, risks posed by the Russia-Ukraine war. Despite all of this, Li Keqiang expressed optimism in his opening speech at the major political gathering, saying that there's no doubt the nation's economy could cope with such challenges. And speaking of the escalating situation in Ukraine, the war has had a significant impact on trade between Russia and China. That's after a number of Russian banks were slapped with sanctions following Moscow's invasion of its smaller neighboring nation. Bloomberg reports that the yuan hit a record high against the ruble last week, surging by as much as 25% last Tuesday. Certain Chinese lenders have temporarily stopped trading of the currency pair. The dramatic spike has fueled speculation over how trade between Russia and China may fare, as Moscow is increasingly isolated from world markets. Also making headlines last week are the findings of a survey by the American Chamber of Commerce in South China. After surveying 230 companies from October to December 2021, AmCham found that fewer of the participating enterprises operating in China turned a profit in 2021 than the pre-epidemic level in 2019. 82% of the businesses said they made a profit in China last year, 
a drop of 13 percentage points from 2019. The result reflects the adverse impact of COVID-19 flare-ups on business operations. Among the surveyed companies that broke even or reported losses last year, fewer expect to reach profitability in the short run than in previous years. A sizable 57% expect to become profitable in two years, 29% in three to five years, and 12% in longer than six years. In contrast, Amchan said that from 2018 to 2020, no such company expected it would take more than six years to turn a profit. In other big news, as we reported last time, India's tax authorities have accused Huawei of tax evasion. New Delhi alleged that the company manipulated account books to inflate costs and reduce taxable income. The Indian Income Tax Department also said that the Chinese telecom equipment giant might have taken advantage of loopholes in its royalties. The findings resulted from an investigation after tax authorities raided Huawei's offices in three Indian cities in mid-February. Huawei didn't immediately respond to Caixin's request for comment. The tax authorities said further investigations are still underway. There's been a big development in Sino-U.S. relations last week. That's after the new U.S. ambassador to China arrived in the country. The U.S. Embassy in Beijing said Saturday that Washington's top envoy, Nicholas Burns, arrived with a group of U.S. mission personnel and their families. Their travel plans had been delayed due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and they will now quarantine for three weeks. The arrival of the 66-year-old Foreign Service veteran fills the role that has been vacant since former U.S. Ambassador to China Terry Branstad left the post in October 2020. A longtime trusted foreign policy hand, Burns has served for 27 years in the U.S. Foreign Service, with roles including the Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs between 2005 and 2008, U.S. Envoy to NATO and Greece, and State Department spokesman. Hong Kong's fight against the coronavirus continued to heat up last week. Authorities have now recommended that residents who are more vulnerable to serious illness receive a fourth COVID-19 jab. The city says that people aged 12 or above with weak immune systems can make an appointment to receive the additional dose three months after receiving their third shot. Hong Kong has been struggling to tame a fifth wave of the COVID-19 outbreak. On March 2nd, the city hit a daily record of nearly 57,000 new infections. The flare-up has largely been caused by the Omicron variant. Hong Kong Chief Executive Carrie Lam has announced that the authorities will test the entire population of 7.4 million three times this month. However, Lam ruled out a wholesale citywide lockdown. And while we're on the subject of the virus, there is speculation that the Chinese government may be reconsidering its zero-COVID policy. That's after some of the country's top infectious disease experts said that Beijing has been assessing whether to adopt a strategy of coexistence with COVID-19 that best suits its own circumstances and may be looking into possibly reopening the country in the near future. Last week, Zeng Guang, a member of the high-ranking expert group at the National Health Commission, said in a social media post, quote, In the near future, at an appropriate time, China will release its roadmap for a China-style coexistence plan with the virus. 
His article went on to say that, quote, by carrying forward the advantages of mobilizing all the nation's resources and learning from other countries' experiences, China will explore a flexible and controllable way of reopening, and that will be our own approach with our own characteristics. Likewise, Zhang Boli, also a top infectious disease expert and a member of the Chinese Academy of Engineering, said in a recent interview with Phoenix TV that the mainland has been assessing how to prepare for the reopening of the border in a, quote, cautious and gradual order. Let's turn now to Taishin Global Finance reporter Yu Kun Zhang. Uh, Yu Kun, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I understand that today you'll be telling us about a live streaming influencer who got into some trouble for tax evasion, like a whole lot of trouble. Uh, before we get into the specifics of her case, can you give us a little background about the live streaming e-commerce scene in China? Sure. Selling stuff through live streaming took off in 2019 and boomed in 2020 when um, a lot of people had to stay at home because of the virus. You can find almost everything sold in live streaming sessions, from vegetables to cars. And oftentimes you can get discounts during these live streaming sales. Live streaming also created um, a lot of celebrity live streamers who were just really good at pitching products. You might have heard of lipstick brother Li Jiaqi. He sold $1.9 billion in goods in one day during a shopping festival last year. Live streamers get a cut of their sales as commissions, so as you can imagine, some of them make quite some money. Okay, and you could, this latest case involves someone called Ping Rong. Can you tell us about what happened to her? Ping Rong was an e-commerce live streamer who had 24 million followers on Kuaishou, one of the most popular video sharing and live streaming apps in China. In February, she was hit with a 9.8 million dollar penalty for evading taxes. The local tax bureau in Guangzhou was first alerted to her possibly evading taxes by their big data analysis. They started an investigation and found out that in 2019 and 2020, Ping Rong evaded personal income tax of $3 million by concealing commission income and underpaid another $2.3 million in taxes after not declaring certain business income. Her account on Kuaishou has disappeared. Okay, thanks. And, and from what I gather, Pingrung was not the first e-commerce live streamer to be hit by uh, penalties. Yes, there were quite a few high-profile tax evasion cases involving live streamers last year. In December, Huang Wei, who goes by Weiya, was ordered to pay $210 million in back taxes, late fees, and fines. Before that, two other live streamers were fined more than $14 million combined. All of them had been caught by big data analysis. Uh, but what's different about Ping Rong is that her method was different. In previous cases, the live streamers set up one-person companies and partnerships and reported their commissions as business income, which is less tax. But based on the uh, official announcement about Ping Rong, she didn't exploit this loophole. What I find so interesting about this is just that the fines that they're hit are so huge. Yeah, it just shows that how much they actually make. It shows how much they make, and it also shows the need to regulate uh, this booming market. Anyway, thanks, you Quinn, for taking the time. Thank you. 
And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Andini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Lee Xin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of our new podcasts on the Seneca Network, like China Stories, featuring the best writing on China from around the web, and the China Sports Insider podcast. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SupChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.